Welcome to the Dynasty Junkies Podcast with your hosts, Rocky Petrella and Dustin Church. Let's get to the show. Welcome to episode five of the Dynasty Junkies Podcast, part of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. I am your host, Rocky Petrella, with my co-host here, Dustin Church. And Dustin, I've been thinking we're we're a month into this thing now. It's been been kind of a crazy month. Been on Trade Addicts, became a member of the the DAP Network, uh, and you personally had a, had a move in there. How you feeling after a month? I'm feeling good. You know, the move's over. I've settled in the new place. We're getting our hitting our groove here. I've uh, been having some fantastic guests. If only I can get that Scott Fishbowl invitation, then everything will be great. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. And uh, speaking of guests, we have our DAP Network co-members here, Bill at SuperDupaFlex, Josh at Real Fantasy TL from the Fantasy Timeline. Hey, guys, how's it going? Good, man. How you guys doing? Yeah, doing good. Uh, looking forward to this, guys. And uh, do you guys want to just plug anything else you're doing besides the timeline? Anything else you want to get in there? Oh, doing the timeline uh, every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. We're on YouTube. We're on Periscope. Uh, That's been real cool since we joined the DAP network. And we we also have a John Bosch eliminator going on right now that we're trying to stock up. So that's uh, that's pretty much all we got going on right now. And Bill, you you have another pod, right? Yep, I have uh, the Super Flexperts. It's you know kind of like a interview based pod um, where I have a guest on, and you know we just talk about random stuff, you know philosophies, strategies, and then I ask some questions for the listeners to you know get a better idea about the analysts outside of fantasy. You know, just kind of learn more about the people. And uh, yeah, that's been a pretty fun project, and you know I haven't done it in a little while, so. I think Josh is going to be my next guest. Oh, sounds good. And well, uh, thanks for jumping on, guys. We're really excited to have you. You know, DAP Network for Life. I know Josh has already started that that hashtag out there, so you know, got to right. keep that going. And I guess, like every other podcast this week, we should mention this is Scott Fishbowl Ten Week. Like as Dustin did bring up, uh, one of the, one of the four people here did actually get an invite. Congrats, Bill. Thank you. Uh, that was uh, pretty exciting. It was nice that it was the first day, so I don't have to stress about it like you guys are. Um, that's, you know, I was pretty happy about that. And, um, you know, I've been trying for a couple couple years, but, um, you know, now having a couple podcasts, I think that really solidified it. And, you know, it's a little harder. Like, you know, you guys started so late that it might be a little bit more difficult. I mean, you guys still might get in it, but, you know, it's just going to be the fact that it was established, you know, Josh and I in November, right. that probably will give us a little bit of a heads up just because we put it into our uh, um, application when we tried to get into the Scott Fishbowl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rocky, Rocky and I were both on uh, last year, so I'm hoping that helps us. Oh, yeah. At the, at the time of my application, I was actually still associated with another podcast. I was still doing social media for another podcast. We won't really mention any names um, of Yes, but I didn't put that on the application, so maybe that'll help. Who knows? Gotcha. And I mentioned to you guys before the pod, I'm hoping that, uh, as I've mentioned once or twice on the pod, having been a Scott Fishbowl 9 finalist, that uh, I'm hoping that helps me get back. And I did make sure to remind Scott of that when I did apply. So we'll see how it goes. You you were a finalist? I hadn't heard that. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) 
Very cool. Congratulations. Really? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, you should you should know that. It's important. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so let's get into the let's get into the show here. Um, we started doing this thing. I really feel like we should need to kind of come up with some kind of name for it, where we're we're kind of comparing a couple different similar players every week to start off the show. And uh, this week, Dustin put out a poll, uh, DK Metcalf versus Cortland Sutton, and got over 500 votes. Uh, Sutton won 59% to 41%. Uh, and it's kind of interesting. Again, this is the second week in a row. The guy that won the poll was actually slightly lower in ADP. Um, Sutton's a couple spots below, which I think is kind of interesting. And actually, I wanted to – I didn't throw this out to anybody on the show sheet, so apologies, but – I actually, a buddy of mine was talking to me about this. What do you guys think about, like, we take DLF ADP sort of as gospel. It's basically like 70 guys, and and we kind of dismiss Twitter polls a lot of the time. It, should we be, is DLF, the, the, the ADP of six polls or six mock drafts, more important, you know, more indicative than a Twitter poll, do you think? Or is this 500 response more indicative? I think that the ADP gives you kind of like a baseline, um, something to just kind of get an idea of like in an actual draft where people are taking them. Whereas like Twitter polls are going to give us like value at the moment. So they're, they're not necessarily the same because guys that, you know, there's it depending on how people weigh it in a startup, you know, whether they're going youth or they're, they like going wide receiver or they like going, you know, however they like to draft, it's going to change where a guy gets picked. But when you do like a Twitter poll, you're seeing kind of like what the masses believe, you know, for value at that moment. So, I mean, I don't treat it as gospel. I really don't use ADP too much with the exception of if I'm trying to make a trade. Yeah, and I'm not trying to put down DLF. I mean, we use it a lot here, but I just found it interesting that it's like it's basically 70 people who are influencing all sorts of different values with ADP every month. And whereas, a, you know, a Twitter poll might actually give you a better idea of what people are actually thinking in actual leagues. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, like ADP is like whoever likes the guy best is going to draft them early. So if there's a guy that really likes somebody and drafts them in like the second round, you know, where he's typically, yeah. typically going in the fourth round, that's kind of where like ADP can kind of get screwed with in that regard. Like where one guy out of 12 really likes somebody, it can completely drive ADP. Especially when they're only doing six of them each month, I believe. Well, so I, I'm sorry, Josh, go. No, and, and I also think it's kind of a, you know, if you have DLF and you're doing a mock draft, you're probably more of a hardcore player let's say you're, you know you're paying for a dlf subscription and you're doing a mock draft and i think twitter poll kind of encompasses more uh maybe casual players or maybe players that even dynasty players that maybe aren't looking at too much right now aren't really focused on what's going on in you know march april may so um you know you get you get kind of that that split between the the more hardcore players and the more uh, average player, not average, but the more casual players on Twitter. So I think you see that split when you're talking about uh, DLF versus Twitter. Yeah, that's a good point. But uh, okay. I just wanted to throw that out there. So let's get into to the debate here on these two guys. Um, I haven't heard much from you, Dustin yet. So what do you think about DK versus Sutton? 
So I was the one that actually posted the poll. And part of it was I actually made a trade the night before I posted this poll. I traded DK in a 2021 first for Sutton in a 2021 second. My reasonings for doing it was I have a lot of DK shares and I was trying to diversify a little bit. I like Sutton. Uh, I don't think Judy hurts him, but I wanted to see kind of what the thought was on what people thought of Sutton with all those new weapons there, if they were devaluing Sutton now because of that. I've seen DK rising considerably in the last couple of months. You know, Lockett is his value is tanking. You can't can't get anything for Lockett right now. So I just wanted to see kind of what it what happened with uh, an asset that has you know, some question marks around it um, from the draft, and then one that seems to be moving. Um, I still think it's sudden for me. I just think he's more of a prototypical wide receiver. I think that Judy's going to be in the slot, which is still going to open up a lot of things for your for sudden on the outside. He still has some rapport with Drew Lock. Um, regardless of what you think about Drew Locke, he's already got some time under center with him. So I think that's going to help Sutton. I don't think Judy's going to hurt him at all. So I still think Sutton is the better asset long-term um, between the two. Yeah, and this one was kind of interesting for me. I, when I first saw it, I was originally thinking, yeah, it's Sutton. But And I was never, it's funny too, because I was, I was not a big DK guy dk guy coming when he was coming out but i've kind of come around on him and i think i actually lean dk with this um he actually had similar well not similar but not too bad not too far off from sutton's production as a rookie um he only had i think uh, i have it down here 26 less targets uh, a couple hundred less yards one more touchdown and uh those are actually better numbers than sutton produced his rookie year sutton's got all sorts of competition there um, I, I agree with you. I mean, he's probably the lead dog still, but he's got Judy. He's got Fant. Gordon's there to, you know, to, they're going to run the ball and he can catch passes. Uh, Hamler even. So, and DK's basically got Lockett and that's it. Uh, and he's he's got the better quarterback. Um, the only thing I guess that's a little worrying with DK is they generally tend to be run first, but I think it's super close, but I actually think I lean DK here. Um, what do you think, Bill? Yeah, I mean, very much similar to what you're saying, Rocky. Um, I think, you know, he definitely had the better rookie year than Sutton. He does have the better QB. Um, he's two years younger. So those are three things that are pretty attractive for DK. Um, initially, like I've always been a Sutton guy. I love Sutton. Uh, but when I was kind of looking things DK up a little bit, like it surprised me, like how, you know, how he was pretty much better, you know, every, every factor kind of fell on his side. Um, I agree with Dustin where the, um, I think that Cortland Sutton is going to be the guy. Like, I, I think he's like the Julio Jones, whereas um, Judy is going to play, you know, kind of that. Uh, now nah, I'm already blanking on his name. Calvin Ridley role, you know, he's always going to be that. He's going to be a really good wide receiver too on his team, I think. So Sutton is definitely the prototypical wide receiver one, and that's attractive for sure. And I think he's going to be the guy that's going to score the most points every year. DK, you know, I think we're all still worried about his agility scores from the combine. And I think that hits him and, and it hurts him. And it probably lowers his value some when it shouldn't, because he's already shown that he can, 
you know, succeed now and shouldn't really have to worry about it because he has found a way to beat defenses in the NFL. So, yeah, I mean, just this thing, actually, really, this us talking about this and me looking into it really has kind of opened my eyes to DK a little bit more. And it's funny, you say that's exactly what I was kind of saying it before is that but until i started really kind of diving into it i i was thinking it was sutton but again i lean dk now i was, it was exactly the same thing that's why i was off from last year the whole agilities you know the three cone drill last year and and uh the limited route tree and all that but he's he's you know he's shown he can win in the nfl and he started picking it up more towards the end of last year too i mean we had the big playoff game against my eagles so yeah i'm 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 on DK, but 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 I wouldn't mind having Sutton either. Uh, any thoughts, Josh? Yeah, um, I think you nailed it. I think these guys are really close. Um, and honestly, uh, Dustin's trade. I, I think what what swings it is getting getting a first and and giving a second because those guys are so close. If you're getting a first and giving a second, that just tips it to that side. Um, if just in a vacuum, if I was doing, let's just say a startup and I needed a receiver and both those guys were there, were there, I would probably go Sutton. I think he's just a little bit better, but that's not to discount DK. I mean, if, you know, I could easily in the middle, in that same startup kind of, you know, read an article or look at DLF stats and, and you know, switch because they're that close. So I'm not saying a hundred out of a hundred times I would take Sutton uh, instead of DK, but uh, they're, they're super close. I mean, even ADP is showing that they're super close, but um, I give the slight edge to Sutton. So there you go. It's super close. And the four of us are 50, 50 on the two. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but yeah, good discussion there. And so we're going to move now to our uh, commissioner corner segment here. Commissioner corner. Just to remind everybody, we, um, we could, you know, we've generally been coming up with our own topics, but if you have any kind of commissioner questions, please uh, let us know. Um, you can DM the pod at dynasty junkies or our, our email, which we'll give at the end of the show. But this week, um, the whole rest of the show is basically going to be devoted to, to trading, uh, in all sorts of forms. So, um, we're talking here about trade deadlines and I know Dustin and I disagree on this one. So basically trade deadlines, yes or no. Cause I know some leagues have no trade deadlines. Some do it by week 10 or 11. Some do it right before the playoffs. Uh, what's your thoughts, Dustin? I'm team. No trade deadlines. Uh, no trade deadline is what helped me beat you in trade addicts three and the final. Don't I know <laughs> it. Championship. Um, I think I made six or seven trades that week. I went and got Gurley and Rogers and Julio and you know, traded, you know, my picks and all my youth that was hurt and for, for studs to go win the championship. And, you know, I, I think it adds another layer of complexity and adds just another layer of fun to, to dynasty. You know, I've been on the other side. I've been on your side. I've been burned by it, and it, it sucks. But, you know, um, my opinion is you, you can go make deals as well. Knowing your league is is a big part of that. But uh, I'm all for no trade deadlines. Almost every league I'm in, though, does have some sort of trade deadline. I'm not in many that don't have uh, deadlines, but I, I prefer no deadlines. What about you, Josh? 
I'm I'm with you, man. I'm I'm team no trade deadlines. Um, it it brings just another layer of strategy into it because the biggest argument I hear against no trade deadlines is two or three teams kind of do a bunch of trades towards the end of the season when the playoffs are starting. And, you know, if they don't win, then they've sold out and all this stuff. But you have to look at it on the flip side too. Those teams that are on the bottom that are struggling are maybe getting rid of one or two good assets that they have. They're getting youth or they're getting picks or they're, they're strengthening an area of weakness and making their team better. So I'm, I'm team no trade deadline. Um, and any league that I'm in, I kind of, when I read the bylaws, I, I hope it's a, it's a no trade deadline league. I think that's a really good point that you brought up that I didn't really think about when I was talking about no trade deadlines is, you know, that's an opportunity for, you know, the, the bottom teams to sell any high-performing assets that are, you know, showing up during the playoffs to help their, help them in their future. Um, I think that that's a really interesting point, And I think that's a really good reason why you should have no trade deadlines. Um, I'll kind of get back to where I thought you were going a little bit on this was, you know, the, the team selling out and then not winning and then potentially dipping because they trade all their assets. I think that's where, you know, you need to make sure that, you know, I talk about bylaws in every episode, but you know, if you're allowing teams to trade future picks, they should be paying for those years in advance of the picks that they're trading for. I saw a, a trade that I got, I retweeted yesterday. Some guy was trading picks in 2023 away to try to buy assets. And I, that's just ridiculous being three years out now, four year, four seasons out, three rookie drafts away. Like we, you should have it be mandatory that if you're trading future years picks, you're paying for those years in advance to show that you're going to be committed to the league. I mostly agree with that. I just, that's a little rough for someone like me who's in 20 some leagues and likes to trade a lot, but I, I, I don't even think you should have 2023 picks available. Even 2022 is a little far out, but 2023 is, is kind of ridiculous. I'll give, I'm going to get into mine, but what's your take on the trade deadline thing, Bill? I'm pretty indifferent. I, I get the arguments both ways. Um, I think if I lean, like my, my thought is I like to like build a team. Right. And so I, I kind of feel like, like when you build a team, you're stuck with your team for like, you're in the playoffs. I like to look at fantasy football as though I'm like a GM. So my thought is like in the NFL, like you can't trade during the playoffs and I get it. I mean, it's just a matter of like whatever the league decides and I'm fine with that. But if I were to lean one way, I would choose for there to be a deadline just because I feel like you should have your team that you built when you, the playoffs. Um, So that's kind of my thought, but honestly, like I'm in leagues with both. It doesn't really matter to me one way or the other, but I would say, if I was making a league and it was, you know, it was super important to me that I would probably lean the one way um, to have a deadline. And it's funny you say that because I was already thinking in my head, I was going to say that it seems a lot of these different topics. I feel like I'm more old school and I don't know if that's because I'm old uh, <laughs> and I know you're around the same age as me, Bill. I'm not sure how old Josh is, 
but uh, he's younger Dustin than me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know Dustin's younger than me. Um, I'm definitely more of a pro trade deadline guy. I'm actually fine up until the last week before the playoffs. I'm like you, though. I think the playoffs should be the playoffs. You shouldn't be able to sell, you know, sell out totally in the playoffs and and just mortgage your whole team for that championship. You, you should have a team ready for the playoffs. And that's basically what Dustin did in TA3. But, um, yeah, I just I, – I, I'm fine. I, I, but the other thing, too, is I'm fine. I mean, like you said, I'm fine either way. Um, I'm, I'm not going to not – you know, be in a league because it doesn't have a trade deadline. As we said, TA three doesn't have a deadline. And if I'm in a league without a deadline, I actually won a title last year in a, in a league I traded for Julio and Kelsey in the playoffs. So if it's there, I'm going to take advantage of it, but I, I, I prefer no, uh, I mean to have a deadline as, but and if you make it just before the playoffs, I still think you can do what Josh said, where the, the lesser teams are, are, you know, selling, you know, they're, older players to, to build up their team for the next year. So I, I'm fine either way, but I prefer to have a trade deadline. Well, and, yeah. and Rocky, I, w- I wanted to bring something up and actually, I think this was an idea that Bill heard about. We, we spoke about this on an episode of the timeline and I thought it was a really good idea. If, if you're worried about a team trading everything away, trying to go for the championship and then dipping out because they didn't win. Um, the fir- in the first year startup paying for two years up front and then paying every year so you always have that year buffer already paid so if someone does do that and dip out you at least have that year's dues paid to use that to maybe entice a team in case they go and say well i have a bunch of old players and no picks or you know i don't really like this team you can then entice them with the fact that, hey, the dues are paid for this year. So you kind of have a free year to kind of make over the team in your own image. Right. Yeah, I definitely think that's a good idea. And but and it's not even just the dipping out thing. Like I like when Dustin did it, I knew he wasn't going to dip out. But I, I'm just the kind of guy I'm not going to sell like four hurt guys that, you know, because I want I'm trying to keep my team good for years and. And I'm not I'm not the type that's willing to do that. So maybe that's just a personal thing on my end. Dust Dustin is willing to do that. So so that's why he won. But um, but yeah, I just I don't I don't like to I don't like to sell my team out totally like that. And that's that's probably part of the reason I don't like it. I do think that having outside of what happened in TA three, like I was just jabbing, but really i i do think i you know i don't like a trade deadline because like i don't want to go through a season i have the best team all year you know i'm the number one seed going to the playoffs and then my star lumar jackson goes down or patrick mahomes goes down or or someone like that and then you know i've been the best team all season long and now i'm screwed and i can't make any moves to to combat that injury that is you know if i'm playing for money i want to be able to to be able to affect my outcome right there I want to be able to to combat that that potential bad luck that I had in the playoffs that wasn't really had anything to do with me not having a good team or getting lucky in the playoffs. But that that that's my reason for not having a trade deadline. I want to still be able to to make those moves if you know something happens. 
Yeah, and and that is a good point. And it's this is the commissioner section. As a commissioner, you got to. I just want to point out too. You definitely got to be flexible too. And I, I think in all the leagues I run this year, I threw it out there that I because I've had people um, like Dustin and other people in some of my leagues that would prefer no trade deadlines. And I did throw it out. And I think in at least three of my leagues, it got voted through to change the no trade deadline. So even though it's not my preference as a commissioner, you got to listen to the league um, at all times and always be um, letting them determine what's going on. Because I, I know I was just in a league uh, draft recently where someone suggested, I think roster expansion or something. And the guy's like, no, this is my league. I'm the dictator. I do what I want. So <laughs> that, 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 that's bad commissioning right there. But uh, anything else you guys want to say on the trade deadline thing? I think, I think we, we hit, hit that. And I, yeah, I think again, so. we're, we're split about 50, 50. Like we've been all, all shows <laughs> so far. Yeah. But maybe uh, maybe Rocky and I need to do a podcast. And, yeah, uh, I think so. All right, Josh, slide in those DMs. Let's, Let's go. go, man. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, so then we'll just get on to the, to the dynasty strategy portion of the show. Dynasty strategy. And again, we're just going to go into more trading stuff. Basically, we just wanted to talk trade strategy, your guys' trade philosophies. I know Dustin wanted to discuss, in addition to just strategy, sort of trade etiquette. So I'll let Dustin start off here. Yeah, so I, I've been in a, a couple leagues. And when I when Rocky and I were talking about starting this podcast, I got, had some people that reached out and like, hey, you know, we should really, you should really talk about trade strategy and trade etiquette. And, you know, there's there's ways to trade and there's ways not to trade. And so I thought it would be a good episode for us to just, you know, we're in the non-point scoring season right now. So I thought it'd be a good episode to talk through, like, what is the proper way and consensus proper way to respond to trades, to submit trades, to discuss trades, because I don't think that the, the game of dynasty is always growing so much and there's always new players every year. And a lot of them don't know how to trade coming into the year. You know, they, they join Twitter leagues with some analysts and some professionals and they get taken the first year and then they're out and they don't want to do this game anymore. So I thought, you know, having an episode out there to talk about trade etiquette and was important. I think a few of my things I'll, I'll jump off with my notes at the beginning is responding to, to offers. I hate sending an offer and then it just sitting there and, you know, timing out. There's nothing more frustrating. And as, as part of Dynasty, like, season is year-round. There is no off-season. So, you know, if you're not one that's going to participate in the off-season, then maybe this game isn't for you. Um, but I, I try to build into all my all my leagues in my bylaws that you know you have to respond to a, a league within seven days and i've actually removed a couple people from my league for not responding to offers so what do you guys feel about that so i agree with you that you should respond to an offer as quickly as you can now i mean my problem is is that i am I'm someone that sometimes won't respond for two or three days and it's not because I'm not looking or I'm not active. Uh, I have a job where I work a lot of hours a week, plus I have three kids and a wife. So sometimes life takes me kind of away from that for a couple of days. And, but it, it's usually two or three days max. And a lot of people in leagues with me will make fun of me because 
they're a lot more on top of it than I am. I remember talking to, to Shane Manila one time and he's like, I respond within like two or three hours. And I'm like, God bless you, brother. Because I mean, if I can, I will. I don't, I don't leave a trade sitting out there. Um, if I have the time to look at it, analyze it and, and respond to it. But sometimes, you know, life just, just, you know, gets in the way of a good trade and you got to leave it. But yeah, I mean, seven days is more than enough time for, you know, for anyone to look at a trade, even if you have to leave it for a couple of days, cause you're just busy and, and figure it out and decide on what you want to do with it. Yeah, I think, I think two or three days is fine too. I'm, I'm basically with you, Josh, I, I have four kids and you know, a job where it's hard for me to, to, to respond super quickly during the day and and i'm in 20 plus leagues so it's not always easy to get to all the trades right away so i, I sometimes don't respond within uh, until about two to three days later but i always make sure to, to try and do it in that time frame um i leave the email notifications in my inbox even just to remind me okay i have to get back to this trade mm -hmm. so um yeah I, I think it's ridiculous to, there's no reason to trade should, unless you're you know someone's died or something you should not be leaving a trading <laughs> in your uh, inbox for seven days and uh, i agree with dust i don't actually have it in any of my bylaws to to kick people out for that but i don't i'm lucky too that in most of my leagues that's not even an issue um i have a lot of good i've gotten real lucky with the leagues i've run that everybody's really good with responding to stuff they're super most of them are major trade addicts themselves so um so yeah i definitely agree with dustin on that though um anything else you wanted to get in with the trade etiquette stuff dustin yeah so so we've kind of already talked about the first one you know we all think you need to respond to your offers within seven days now expanding on that a little bit what do you guys feel is a proper response is rejecting enough or do you feel like there should be a counter in there there should be an explanation on why this trade doesn't make sense for their their team or why they don't want to do the trade or an explanation, hey, I'm just not in the interest of moving that player. What do you guys feel on that sort of communication? What is the proper amount of communication? Or or is there a certain amount that you guys care to have? So I, it kind of varies. I mean, 90% of the time when I respond, I respond with some comments. But that 10%, it's just when the offer is so terrible, it's just not even worth like saying but I should still probably be putting something in the comments just saying like our values are just way off on this or something like that. Um, just to at least let them know that, you know, we're not even close and not to keep peppering me with, you know, offers that I'm not going to even, you know, think about. So, I mean, I think protocol should be to put something in the comments when you reject, you don't have, I don't think you have to counter uh, especially if it's, you know, a major difference or it's a player that you don't want to move for who they're offering or anything like that. Um, if it's just a, a player that you don't want to move, of course, you can just list some players that you're interested on their team. Maybe they throw something back at you, but um, I don't feel like you have to counter. Um, I think a comment will suffice. Yeah, I basically echo everything. Bill just said so. So, Bill, let me know when we're going to start that podcast. But uh, <laughs> what a boring um, podcast it would be. <laughs> I know we'd agree with everything. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, I always try to I agree with what he said. I always try and put comments in there, um, mainly just, you know, I think this guy's worth more than that guy or I'm just not really interested in this guy. Uh, I don't think it's necessary. I mean, as long as they're responding, I actually think it's OK. I'd prefer comments back. I, I don't think you have to counter either. A lot of times I don't counter. Um, I'll just put the comment in there. And if they want to throw something back at me, then go ahead. Um, but sometimes I'm, you know, it's just, I'm not that interested in what they're offering and I'll let them know that. Yeah. I think that I, I'll expand on that a little bit. I think a, a good word of advice for everybody is open up the rejected email and see if it says any comments. I know a lot of people see the rejected email and then they just kind of delete it and then they don't see it and they're like, Hey man, you never responded. And they're like, no, I did. This is a, another, just going on another topic, you know, knowing your league mates, I know which ones are going to read the emails or which ones i need to dm so i'll usually at least dm or put comments in there usually on on why i don't like the trade or, or what what's missing from the trade um but I, i'm not scared or afraid to tell anyone how i feel if it's a really bad offer i just reject though so i'll put that right out there right there if you're in a league with me send me a terrible offer and i reject nothing that's probably because it was not worth my time to to, to write out a, a response to you um, and that's really funny dustin because i'm the same way if if it's just a terrible trade like i i just instantly reject i don't say anything about it and i, I mean it, it's also kind of knowing the people that you're playing with too because i know there are a few people in leagues that i play with if i just reject it with no comment they're going to come back with a better offer because they're trying to figure out why I rejected it without giving them any reason why. So it, it's, you know, we always say kind of know who you're playing against and know the people in your league, because there are like two or three people that I know if I just reject it with no comment to it, they're immediately going to send me another offer, which is probably way better than the first offer that they sent because they're trying to figure out why I would just just reject them. I think you're you're kind of trending down another path as well that I kind of wanted to talk about. So it's a good segue. <laughs> we'll jump into that. So um, I know we've we've talked on on this show and and I, you guys have talked on your show and other shows like never being afraid to add that additional small piece into getting a deal done. But if you have a good deal in your inbox, never be never be too proud to just take the deal how it is. Like. I know lots of people are like, no, I have to counter every deal to get more. Like, you don't have to counter. If you get a massive overpay, you don't have to counter and get more. Totally agree. Just, totally just, agree. A, just a, a, a thing. Like, I see, I have some people in my league that they're, they want to counter every single trade they get, no matter what. You can send yeah. a massive overpay, and they're like, no, I'm going to counter. And then at that point, I'm like, no, I'm done. I sent you my best offer. I'm not adding any more, and deal's over. So. Yep, that's exactly what I do. If I, if I feel like I'm sending a, a very solid offer or what I consider an overpay, even if they come back asking for a third rounder, I decline it and not even respond. Like, I just get very stubborn when it comes to something like that. Like, I, you're just pushing for something to get something extra because you feel like you have to and everything. And I mean, some people, that's just how they're wired and, you know, always get that extra. But to me, like I'm, I'm all about, especially as you get into more leagues, the last thing I want to do is keep going back and forth about a trade for just a minor piece or something like that. So, um, you know, I just don't have time to like negotiate every penny 
in a trade. So like, I'm, I'm going to give you my best offer most of the time and, or 85% of my best offer. Um, but if I feel like I'm overpaying, not, I'm not even going to give you one penny. Yeah. And that's a good point, Bill. And that's something I was going to mention that could kind of lead into the trade strategy thing too, which is, uh, first of all, kind of a trade etiquette thing. Don't, don't, don't send trash offers. Don't send an offer that you would never even think about accepting. That's, that's the, or the worst is actually the actual worst is, is when they just send something and say, what would you want for, for this guy? And they don't even send you anything. I, I've gotten that a few times. Um, they just offer, you know, a player and put the comment or, or ask for a player and put the comments in. Um, so, yeah. And that's generally what I tend to do too. I, I don't know. Nobody wants to send their best offer right off the bat, but I tend to put, like you said, something like 80 to 85% of my best offer. I, I leave some wiggle room, but I'm not, I'm not usually not adding a ton to what I've already offered you. If I'm sending something out. Yeah, Rocky, I agree with you. When I send out an offer, you know, I send out an offer that I feel is mostly fair. Maybe, I need to take something off of my side or add something to my side, but it, it's mostly a fair deal. I'm I'm not out here trying to rip someone off it and you know win the trade, as they say. You know, obviously, you know, if you open up a, a trade for me, you might say I, you know, I need a little bit more, and we can talk about what that little bit more might be. But um, it, you know, it's funny. Dustin was talking about not letting a small piece totally derail a trade and um i i had someone dm me and say hey man i'm rebuilding uh this guy wants a couple of uh big time pieces i have and he said what do you think about this deal and i said i think it's a pretty good deal but you should probably uh ask for an extra third you know just get that extra pick to help you out whether you actually use it or you, you roll it into another trade he came back to me and he said he won't do the deal. And I, I think like Julio Jones, he this guy was going to get Julio Jones and someone else. And I, I DM'd them back and I said, just go to that guy and go, are you really going to let a third round pick derail this whole trade? And he DM'd me back and he goes, oh my God, I can't believe that worked. He took the deal. And I said, once you kind of break it down like that, like, are you, are you not going to get Julio Jones on a contender because of a third round pick or, or you know, and, and I think sometimes people get so hyper-focused on, you know, what does a trade calculator say? The points have to add up or the points have to be really close or I have to be the winner in this deal. And they they let that mindset and that mentality totally derail them from making a, a good trade. Yeah, and going to what you said, that Dustin alluded to it, and I know Outhouse says this all the time. I mean, thirds get deals done. Don't, don't be afraid to include a third. It's it, Thirds are... Uh, thirds and fourths, I could care less about. I don't know what the actual numbers are, but thirds and fourths hit like less than 10% of the time, I believe. So uh, I can get back a third anytime I want, probably. So I'm not worried about throwing in a third. It's like you exactly said, if you're going to get, you know, Julio out of this trade, don't let a third take away from it. I like getting them thrown in, like you said, basically, because you can then throw it into another trade. But but I think it's stupid to, to, to not do a deal that you were ready to do because you had somebody asked you to throw in a third or a fourth. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. So now Dustin and Bill are going to ask for thirds in every trade in tier A3 now. <laughs> yeah, feel free. I'll just decline. 
I don't have. I mean, I don't have any picks for I think next year, this year, next year. So you can ask all you want. <laughs> no, I. So I, you know, I think we're all guilty of sending terrible offers. Um, I think that's the, the one thing that's great about this game is values are so different that, and I, I try as I tried to not get caught up in narrative street, but I do all the time, and you know, I'll I'll, I'll trade players away and sell low because i'm buying in the narrative but i'm also i also use the narratives to try to oversell my players so i think bill talked about a little bit earlier and using trade calculators is is fine there's tools out there there's there's resources out there there it's not the end all be all and like what we talked about at the beginning of the show like adp i think that's just another tool just everyone use your tools that you have out there look at your rankings look at ADP, look at your calculators and your analyzers. Use the find me a trade to see if you're far off. Use Twitter, like use your tools out there. Um, none of them are gonna be tell you the answer black and white. And you know, that's the, the beauty of this game. There is no black and white answers, but use your tools and your resources, especially if you're new into Dynasty. Use those tools out there and you know to help you know if you're far off or not. Yeah, and I was going to bring up the calculator thing because I know Josh had mentioned it. And I think you should always be coming up with trades on your own. And then it's a good idea sometimes to throw it into the calculator just to be like, okay, I just want to make sure this is is what I think it is and this guy's not going to think I'm asking for something crazy. But that that's what calculators should be used for. You shouldn't be constructing trades in a calculator. Yeah, Rocky, I agree with you. And I, and I actually do the same thing. I'll kind of... If I'm offering a trade, I'll come up with it in my head and then I'll put it into a calculator just to make sure that I'm not really off base on what I'm asking for. Because again, I, I don't want to I don't want to present a trade that looks like I'm trying to rip you off. You know, so if I come up with this trade and I put it into a calculator and I go, Oh wow, this is way off. What you know, I have to reassess kind of what I'm looking at and what my values are and you know, but yeah, I don't. I agree with you too. You shouldn't be kind of like, all right, I have player A and he's worth 300 points. So now I have to, you know, find players on his team that equal 300 points to make the deal work. Uh, you know, I think you should say, hey, I have player A. I think this player, these two players would make it a fa- fair trade and then go to the calculator. Yeah, and depending on which calculator you're using, they might, you know, they all have their own values. You may value that guy way more. So it's 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 not smart to to go in and just try and do it that way. So anything else you guys want to um talk about regarding trade strategy or what do you I think? I mean, I think it's just important to talk to the other person. You know, if you're if you're close or you know, maybe there's somebody you have interest or you're interested on their their team and you send them an offer and somebody declines it without giving you any guidance, maybe ask for the guidance. You know, did you decline it because my offer is bad? Did you decline it because you didn't want to move that player? Did you decline it because you didn't want my player? Maybe there's somebody else you're willing to move and, you know, you can learn that way and you can kind of get a, a feel for what that particular owner likes to do and pay attention to their, you know, go back and look at their trade history and see kind of, what they do and that can help you kind of see like what their you know frequency is as to what they they like to add to their teams and that can help you construct a better trade for that owner in the future yeah that's yeah. a good point 
Yeah, hundred percent. Like I, if you're really trying to get a deal done, you need to have some sort of dialogue with your team. Like, and I'm going to tell everyone that's in my leagues, like I don't do well usually to just blind offers. You know, if I just get an offer in my inbox with no communication, no reason why I'm less likely to do a deal with you. Um, you know, I want to have a dialogue. Let's talk through this. Like if you really want one of my players, like come talk to me about it. We'll figure something out. Like communication and all, and, and anything dynasty is key is important knowing your league mates talking to them about trade just everything like communication is key like i'm i'm more than willing to talk trade with you all the time just talk to me first and and you know i'll let you even know if that player is available and if it's worth your time to even send an offer yeah i agree with both your both you and bill's last two points that knowing your league mates is big and communication definitely it's i mean as I said, being in a lot of leagues, I don't always have time to communicate on every offer, but I definitely think some of the best trades that get done are usually when you're able to just DM a guy and, instead of just throwing out cold offers back and forth. But one other thing I wanted to talk about was, um, and I know especially during this non-point scoring season, we're not always talking about doing it this way, but I do think it's good to look at don't just target players. I mean, I, we're all guilty of this, like, oh, I want to go out and get a, a DK Metcalf share or whatever, but um, I always like to, even now, because I know a lot of us were just trying to trade for value and not setting starting lineups in, in May, but I definitely think it's a good idea to look at the other team's rosters and see, you know, what they need and what you can offer them rather than just, I want to get this guy or, or, or something like that. I, I see you nodding, Josh. You agree with me? Yeah. Yeah. 100% because uh, something that I hate is if I get a cold offer and it's like, hey, I want to trade you uh, this running back for this wide receiver. And I look at that team and I go, well, I'm weak at wide receiver. Why? You know, and in May, it's a little bit different than if, if we're talking about August and September. But, you know, especially during the season, especially. Exactly. Um, You know, if. I have maybe two good receivers on this team, but I'm loaded at running back. The, the trade doesn't do anything for me unless it's a super lopsided trade, you know? So I, you know, that that's one thing. And I think that's something that could, you know, kind of uh, hurt your relationship with some, with uh, a trade partner, because they're kind of looking at it. Like, why do you think this is a trade that I would accept? Like, you obviously saw my roster when you put this together. Why did you think this was a good idea? But I mean, everyone's a little different. You know, sometimes even guys during the season, guys and girls during the season will make the trade just to make the trade. And yeah, it's all about knowing your league. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Rocky. When I, when I construct a trade, especially during the season, I'm trying to uh, give them something that's going to help them out while getting something that's going to help me out. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Right. And even even at the values there, I mean, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. I have like, you know, four good running backs. I don't need your running back. And I still uh, sometimes, especially when I'm offering more so, you know, than trades to me. But when I'm offering, I, I still think a lot of people, you know, we all talk about just trading for value at this point in the season. But I still think a lot of people are looking at starting lineups and things like that at this time. So I, I still kind of try and construct trades that way a lot, of, even in May or, or February or whenever, um, because I think that's what other people are going to be looking at. So 
I, I think it's a good idea to kind of see what they need at least. Even if, and you could just do it for value. It might not be what you need if you're the one making the offer. But uh, I definitely think it's good to go through rosters and okay, this guy needs a quarterback or this guy needs a wide receiver and kind of construct your trade that way and find a guy you like off their roster and just and get that value. Unless you guys have anything else, I think we're we're good on the the trade strategy stuff. So we will move on to our find me a trades. Find me a trade. Again, as we go forward, I'll try and stop being a little uh, so explainy here. But just to remind people, um, we do take submissions on this uh, again to the to, at Dynasty Junkies handle. You can DM me and Dustin. Um, the point is to kind of look at trades from a different angle, bringing in roster construction, how to construct trades and things like that. So um, definitely get in touch with us. Give us some submissions. We got one this week. It's from uh, Adam Holtz at Mad Dog. That's two Ds, two Gs, one, two, zero, zero, one. He has a uh, 12-team PPR Superflex 2.0 tight end premium. So it's one PPR, 2.0 for tight ends. Start 10, uh, QB, two RBs, three wide receivers, tight ends, super flex, and two flex, 28-man rosters. And this guy, he had his start up in April with the rookies in it. And it was actually before the draft, it looks like. And he picked, he ended up trading down and picked up six 2021 20, firsts. So he sort of punted the start up a little. Um, but he got a lot of first out of it. Um, and so he's mostly punting year one and he kind of asked us to look to see what he could do. Looking at his roster, he definitely is not going to be uh, winning anything this year because of this. Um, at quarterback, he's got Locke, Haskins and Stidham. He's basically got nothing at running. And like I said, this was before the draft and the only significant RBs he drafted were carry on and Mac, which the draft basically killed him there. And he's got a decent wide receiver depth, uh, Nuke, uh, Harry, uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden, Gallup, McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Darius Slayton. And he's got a bunch of young tight ends with Gesicki uh, and a bunch of rookies, Cole Komet. He's also got Irv Smith, Hunter Bryant. So basically, this is a team I thought that looks like it's going to need to basically proceed as though it's a rebuild, even though they just had the startup. So uh, I guess I'll give our trade first. Um, it's first on the show sheet here. The way we're doing it this week, so it's not to do four trades. Me and Dustin did one together, and then Bill and Josh will have trades as well. So our trade was um, to give Nuke, carry on, and a 21-second for Carson Wentz, TJ Hawkinson, and a 21-first. And, and the thinking here basically was he definitely – he definitely needs a quarterback, um, at least one more quarterback. He's got Stidham and Haskins, who may not be starters by 2021. I mean, for all we know, Locke may not be a starter by 2021, depending on what happens this year. So I wanted to get him a quarterback, a youngish quarterback. Wentz is 27. And with the 2.0 tight end premium, Hawk made a lot of sense. He adds another 21 first to his arsenal. So he could actually, I mean, with seven first, he could definitely, if he doesn't already have the 101, which he might, definitely end up with Lawrence or Fields or somebody like that that'll help his quarterback room. I'm not really worried about him having no running backs because this team's probably not going to win anything this year anyway. And um, so I just thought it made a lot of sense 
to get the quarterback, get the tight end and the 2.0 premium, add to his first. He'll be killing it in the rookie draft next year. And the other thing I would mention too, well, I would, and the guy he's trading him to, um, he actually has, that's the other reason I thought this was a good trade is he has four quarterbacks. He has Wentz, Kyler, uh, Kirk Cousins, and Teddy Bridgewater. He's also got Engram at tight end. So he can afford to lose both the guys he's giving up without getting a tight end or a quarterback back. So I thought it made a lot of sense. And um, that's basically the trade me and Dustin came up with. What do you think? Yeah, I like it. I mean, it's um, it's trading like, you know, you're getting depth or taking depth from one team. And I'm sure they'd be happy to add a starting wide receiver and, you know, getting a little, you know, potentially a little bit of help at running back if uh, if the Lions end up splitting uh, carries, you know, this year. And, you know, I dig it. I think that that helps uh, helps him because he's definitely not winning anything this year. That's for sure. Yeah, and also the guy he's trading to. I definitely think this guy, like I said, he still has three three quarterbacks after trading three decent quarterbacks after trading once, and he could actually use some receiver help. He has Evans, but uh, after that, it's basically Jarvis Landry, and that's basically it. Uh, <laughs> and he's got um, it, it, he looks like he's trying to be more win now. Anyway, he's got Fournette, he's got David Johnson, he's got Deshaun Jackson. I mean, he does have some young guys that were thrown into this trade but it seems to make a lot of sense for both sides. Um, so any comments, Josh, before we move on to, to you and Bill's trades? Yeah, I, I like the trade, and Wentz is so interesting because I feel like he's one of the most polarizing quarterbacks in Dynasty right now. I feel about half of the community uh, likes him. They, they want to try to grab him if they can, and the other half thinks that he stinks. So it's... It's interesting, and, and those are the kind of guys I, I like to target because um, you, you know right away whether you can get that guy for a discount or if the guy who has them is going to make you pay for them. So the, those are real easy to weed out right away, and and obviously we don't know uh, the Wentz owner in this league, but if he you know if he's not high on them, he just took them in the startup to to grab another QB. Uh, you know, you might even be able to uh, give a little bit less in this deal and still get them. And, you know, Hawk is Hawk just adds to that young uh, tight end core with Gasecki and Irv Smith, who is been one of my man crushes since he was going into the draft last year. So, um, yeah, I like this trade overall. And, you know, getting another first, you know, doesn't hurt at all. Yeah, and I did talk with Dustin too. I was like, when you we put it into the calculator because we just do that for all these trades on on the Find Me a Trade segment. And I think on DLF's analyzer, it came out with more value on the side he's giving up. But DLF's analyzer also doesn't have a setting for tight end premium. Um, so I put it into DTC, which actually had it, him getting a lot more value to the point where I thought, and I even thought this when I constructed it, that the guy might not want to give up. Wentz and Hawk and a 21 first. So I think even if you take out maybe Hawk and carry on and make it knock uh, nuke uh, and um, the pick for, for Wentz and, and the, the uh, 21 first, I would still probably do that, but um, I would try for the bigger trade first. Cause Hawk adds a lot of value in a 2.0 tight end premium. So um, why don't we get to Josh's trade now? So it's funny. I, I was I was looking on the show sheet, and and you guys had a uh, uh, 
you know, I had a lot of pieces moving back and forth and Bill has some pieces moving back and forth. But when I, when I looked at, uh, at Adam's team here, I just went, there was just a simple trade that kind of screamed out to me. And with six firsts, you have a lot of first obviously to play with. So I looked at his team and Rocky kind of liked the wide receiver room that he has right now. I, I don't agree. Actually. I think he, I mean, obviously he has Hopkins and then I think it's a lot of, uh, or he has Hopkins, he has McLaurin and then it's a lot of lottery tickets. Like we're not sure what's going to happen to Michael Gallup. I think he'll be fine, but we don't know. We don't know if what uh, Enkil Harry is going to be, you know, Curtis Samuel, Darius Slayton. It's a, a lot of lottery tickets past Hopkins and McLaurin. So I would trade a 2021st or 2021 for Tyler Boyd. I feel like he's someone who is not being talked about a lot right now. And it's obviously because the Bengals just drafted Joe Burrow at number one. Joe Mixon is having a contract issue. AJ Green is coming back. There, there's a lot of other talk in in Cincinnati besides Tyler Boyd. But, you know, over a thousand yards and five touchdowns the last two seasons. And, you know, AJ Green and um John Ross are don't have contracts for next year. So if uh, one or both of those guys are gone. It's going to be T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, and I think that just uh, raises his value. So I, I actually think, even though the trade calculator says it's pretty similar, you might be buying a little low on Tyler Boyd right now, realizing that 2021 is when he blows up because. He is the number one guy, but they still have T. Higgins on the other side to make sure that the entire defense isn't kind of rolling over to him. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. The wide receiver core outside of Nuke McLaurin is a lot of question marks with Kirk and and Gallup, kind of like what you talked about. I love Tyler Boyd, and I know I know like our boy outhouse was Tyler Boyd, and there's lots of people around the the community that love Tyler Boyd and I think he could still get better with getting a good quarterback in Burrow so I don't mind trading a first right now for him I don't know that it's something he'll be able to get done right now with the 2020 rookie draft just getting over and teams are now getting to that point where they're trying to to get their roster ready for the season and trading an asset right now for pick a year away. Um, if that team isn't rebuilding, I don't know that they're something they, they're going to want to do. I do think that Cincinnati may struggle throughout the season as Burrow is getting acclimated to the team and maybe not having a full off season to, to learn each other, that this is something that you can still revisit later on in, in the season. Like he's not going to be competing at all this year, so I think if he just stays fluid and and looks for values dropping throughout the season to be able to make moves, that that this is a move that he can definitely make in the future. Um, you know, you know, I wouldn't even be, you know, if I were him, you know, if if you if he wants to save all his first, he could look into like 
Gallup in a second for Boyd in the third or something like that as well. And if you want to keep those first, um, you know, so there's a lot of different ways you can go there. But the framework of the deal getting Boyd, I, I like. I like it a lot. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that you said that because everything you said is 100% right. But what I like to do two or three days after a rookie draft is start shopping and whether it's picks and players or just picks shopping the next year's picks, because as soon as your rookie draft is over next year, class next year's class is being talked about. I mean, people are already talking about, you know, Trevor Lawrence and and Justin Fields and Travis Etienne and and the list goes on and on. And it's almost like you, there's this quick window where people get hyped up about next year's draft. And I try to, capitalize on that and see who is already buying the hype and maybe getting you know getting rid of some not getting rid of picks but trading picks to get established players so i i guess i use kind of my own mindset in this deal for him because uh it's something that i would try to do if i was in his situation yeah, and I I just agree with a lot of Dustin said. I definitely and and the the 21, 2021 class already does have a lot of hype too, just like this one did. So I mean it's not out of the question, but yeah, it's definitely something that might work better more in season. Um, if maybe the guy's not in it or something like that. But uh, the other thing I wanted I wanted to mention too is uh, totally separate from your trade is just looking at this guy's roster. If um if Swift or Taylor were to go down, I'd be selling Mac or carry on immediately um, for whatever you can get. Cause I feel like they're going to be a little, well, carry on, not so much, but Mac will be probably mostly worthless in 2021 is what my feeling is. So, um, and if they get to start a little, you'll definitely be able to get something for them. But um, I guess with that, we'll move on to Bill's trade bill. You want to give your trade? Yeah, so when I was looking at his roster, like I typically play the value game. I'm selling high. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna sell guys that I feel have the chance to, uh, you know, bump up in value a lot. So there's really only two assets on his team that I feel are movable, kind of at peak value, and that's um, that's Hopkins and it's Drew Lock. I just feel like Drew Lock's not ever gonna like his value is just going so high right now that I feel like he's going to have to perform as like a QB six or seven for him to outkick what his value is right now. And just the fact that he's not a rush, a runner and they like to run the ball a lot. I'm not sure that Locke's ever going to reach the value that the hype is at this moment. So, and because he doesn't have a lot of players that you can rely on, on the roster, I feel this is pretty much just a punt year. Like there's just no way that he's going to win. And so I'm okay moving those, those big time assets and I'm okay taking risks on other assets. So my, my thought was moving drew lack to a team who does need a quarterback and pick up that guy's first and uh, Jordan love. Now, Jordan Love's not going to do anything for you this year. He's a first-round quarterback. You know, he could end up being better than Drew Lack two years from now. We don't know. And so, and a first-round pick, basically. So a first and and Jordan Love for Drew Lack. And 
you know, based on the calculator, it's very close or the uh, DLF trade, uh, what is it? Trade comparison. Uh, anyway, it's really close in points. And, and that's something that I think the other team would potentially accept just because of the lack hype. And it doesn't hurt you. And it actually helps you because you're not, you don't have a quarterback right now. That's going to be scoring you points. Um, I really do think this is a two year turnaround and, you know, just cause even with all these picks, unless you move those picks for veterans, I mean, you're going to end up with a bunch of rookies next year. And so you're probably not going to compete next year either. And I mean, I think that he could end up being an incredible and, and that's, and two years down the road. And that's when love has a chance to start playing. And, you know, every other asset, there's a lot of good assets on his team that I think he can sell during the season when they get a bump based on performance, kind of like what you were saying with carry on and Mac and Gallup, you know, there's a lot of question marks on a lot of these guys and, but they're, they're talented. And so it's just one of those things where there's so many ifs, that I'm just going to keep churning those players as they pop during the season and keep getting value and keep just accept I'm not going to win this year and I'm probably not going to win next year. And hopefully in 2022, I have a juggernaut. Uh, yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said there. Um, I'm curious what your thought. I, I agree exactly what you said about Locke. His value is shooting sky high, but I'm curious what you think on Locke. Like, that my only hesitation is I am actually, I do think his value is getting out of control, but I am a believer in Locke. Um, I know he didn't show, you know, a ton last year, but he did show some, and they've given him pretty much every chance to succeed. Um, it, with all the weapons, it might be hard for him not to succeed. I'm just curious what you think of him. Well, I mean, we thought about that Baker last year, right? Like, we were just like, okay, you know, he has. Odell Beckham, he has Landry, he has Chubb. You know, they just got Kareem Hunt. He's going to be popping in halfway through the season. I mean, this team is just stacked. Well, you know, it didn't happen. And, you know, now people are even somewhat questioning, is Baker the answer? And Baker was the first pick overall. If Drew Lack, you know, does not succeed halfway through the season, guess what? he is not going to be playing for them next year because they're going to pull him. I mean, they don't have the the draft capital to have to stick with him longer. And so that's the concern. There's a huge risk reward there. Right. And like, because the hype's so high, like the, the, the ceilings not as high as it needs to be based on the hype and the floor is zero. So that's my concern. And I would rather, not roll the dice with somebody like that on my roster when I know I'm in a rebuild. I'd rather get a guy, move him, get value, and turn those assets into something else that could, you know, get me more value in the future. I just don't see there being the value to make more on him long term unless he becomes an elite top five quarterback, but we're not going to see that because he's not a rushing quarterback, and that's going to really limit that. Yeah, and that's a good point. And I even mentioned that when I was uh, going over the guy's roster. I mean, it's possible Locke's not even a starter in 2021. Um, so the floor is definitely super low. Um, and I, I really do think it makes a lot of sense. And you're giving him two assets that, that could be huge in 2022, which is really realistically when he can expect to compete. Uh, Dustin, any comments on this one or... 
No, I just think um, you're already starting to see a little bit that there's r rumors out there that gloves might start next year in 2021, that there's a little bit of an out for Green Bay come the end of the season. So there's a potential that you're going to get love a year earlier than what's planning. And I think it's smart trying to get him now before any of those rumors really start coming to fruition. So I think getting love in that, that first right now, I already sold my, one of my shares of drew lock. I sold him for a first this year. It was Trubisky, whatever. And another pick, but I'm rebuilding. So like, I just wanted the assets, you know, I, I have, I think, four or five firsts next year and like 12. I have I think I have 10 or 12 of the, the seconds. So I was just like, you know, I don't want Locke to help me this year. But, you know, our boy Bobby Koch has really got me not believing in, in Locke. He's uh, getting in those Twitter debates on, on, on Drew Locke and bringing out the stats. But I've heard that. But but Stompy, who's, uh, who's predicted the Mahomes and, and Lamar breakout, is big on Locke. So I think it kind of counteracts it. <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> You got to take into account bias, right? Like everybody has a bias and I, that's the, one of the most fan. important thing. And he's a Broncos fan. And I'm not trying to say like both him and John Hogan, they're huge on the lock. And I mean, I respect their opinions more than, you know, a lot of people in the industry, Agreed. but sometimes you got to go, eh, there might be a little bit of fandom bias in here. And, and I mean, I kind of see more what Bobby sees a little bit, but I don't think I'm quite as low as him, but, but it's, I'm always playing the value game. And that's the thing. It's like, do you want to like, he may end up being a, a QB six, but he's probably around a QB 10 value right now. He could end up being zero. Like what's the difference between the QB six and the QB 10 in points per game, right. one or two points a game. I mean, it's, it's nominal. So, so I mean, it's all about risk value. Those are the two things I'm always looking at. And when I'm, going to move somebody and you know it just doesn't make sense to hold on to him if you're not competing this year i mean unless you're a fan <laughs> <laughs> now, now i will say one thing about drew lock since uh it, se it seems like we've been a little, little hard on the guy here um baker was brought up and i think the biggest reason for baker's downfall was freddie kitchens and whatever that offensive system was that they were trying to run in Cleveland last year, which I don't think anyone understood at any time. Uh, Pat Shermer is the offensive coordinator came from head coach in the giants. Pat Shermer is not a good head coach, but he's a pretty good offensive coordinator. And, and I think that if drew lock has the talent, he will succeed with Pat Shermer, with all the weapons he has. And now, obviously, the question is, do you believe he's, talent he's talented enough to do it? If you do, then you're, you know, you're buying that, like Bill said, QB6 value. If you don't think he's very good, then obviously sell while you can because the value is going to drop and it's going to drop quick. I, I think Drew Locke is a, like, QB 10 to 13 or 14 type guy where he'll give you some seasons where you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm glad that he's, you know, my QB two in a super flex, you know, I don't think he's going to give you, you know, a Lamar Jackson or even a Dak Prescott type season where it's like, 
uh, he was top five. And I, I was really glad that I, I kept him around and, you know, didn't get, you know, two firsts and another quarterback, like, you know, like some trades or, you know, this trade where you would get a first in uh, Jordan Love. So I, I think it all depends on, I think everything has been put around him to succeed. It's just all, do you believe in the talent or not? Yeah. I mean, one, one thing's for sure is he can rap pretty good, though. <laughs> yes, he can. He can lip sync well. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, I think that Pat Shermer point is a great point. I actually mentioned to bring that up when I uh, meant to bring that up when I saw that Bill had put him on the show sheet. That, yeah, Daniel Jones, you know, performed well under Shermer. Cousins had one of his better seasons under Shermer, I believe. Um, so I think he's got a lot going for him, but even at his ceiling, I think he's probably maybe a Matt Ryan who may have an outlier top five type season, but when, like, like Bill said, with no real rushing upside, it's hard to be consistently up in the top five. Um, Bill? and add to the fact that like, you know, they're the coaches, the coaching staff. I mean, I agree that Shermer's a good coordinator and that is definitely something that needs to be taken into account. But at the same time, the head coach, he's a, a running back guy. He wants to run the ball all day, every day. And so there's, there's kind of got to be a level of guidance that's being provided from him. And how much are they going to be just passing the ball? I mean, the one thing they do have going for them in that situation is that they're going to be playing some pretty good offenses also. So they're going to have to throw. And so, I mean, that's legit. And that's something that needs to be taken into account. So, I mean, but yeah, the ceiling's just not there for me to, to think long-term I'm going to be happy with a getting the points this year, which is going to hurt my draft pick and B, you know, the potential risk that I, I end up with nothing in a year. Yeah. And, and the trade makes a lot of sense. So this was a lot of good stuff. Um, I think we're going to start getting to wrap it up now. Um, one thing I did want to mention that I forgot to do off the top of the show, which is I wanted to talk to Josh. Because Josh, I meant to do this on Trade Addicts. This is Josh is one of the things that Philadelphia people hate, which he is a guy in the Philadelphia area who likes the Dallas Cowboys. So I want to give him a chance to to turn away from the dark side, do some penance, and we'll welcome you aboard. Come on, Josh. What do you say? So so Rocky, I'll I'll even make this story a little bit better for me for you. I'm actually originally from North Jersey. I grew up about a half hour away from the old Meadowlands. So in theory, I should be a Giants fan. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I'm not. Uh, but uh, no, man, I, I grew up watching football with my uncle, who is a diehard, hardcore Cowboys fan. And it, uh, it, it got into me. And I've been a Cowboys fan through the good, the bad, and the very ugly. And, you know, people go, oh, how old were you when they won, you know, won their Super Bowl? And I was like, yeah, I, I was 10. But guess what? I also remember watching Quincy Carter and Drew Bledsoe and Drew Henson and a lot of trash in the uh, in the early 2000s. So I know Bill's like, I'm a Lions fan. I've been watching bad football for 50 years. But uh I'm not that old, but yeah. But, uh, you know, but yeah. So, I mean, like all fan bases, you know, I, Hey, listen, I, I was at a Super Bowl party when the, the Eagles took it down and beat, they hated Patriots. And, 
you know, so uh, my wife is an Eagles fan. Uh, so, yeah, she should be. Uh, and we, we, you know, I, I love her. We go at it during uh, during every Eagles Cowboys game, and you know, it's it's a lot of fun because she's obviously, you know, she she's booing my team every t- chance she gets, and I boo her team every chance I get. So. It's a lot of fun in our household. Rock, you'll have to come over one day, man, uh, and, and watch me and my wife go at it during a uh, an Eagles-Cowboys game. Okay, so, I'll have to do that. That should be fun. I had to give you a little crap, though. Of course. <laughs> okay, um, I also wanted to mention, um, we also, me and Dustin, the Junkies Pod, um, Bill and, and Josh mentioned earlier they have their uh, eliminator they're going they're working on and we are as well. I actually uh, pinned uh, our tweet about it uh, to our timeline earlier today. So I think we already have eight guys in our group. So I'm going to commit to being it as well. Oh, thank you, Bill. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> I also wanted to let any listeners out there know that you know just go to the pin tweet. You can just respond in there. We'll throw you in the DM group. Once we get 10, as the, as the timeline guy said, uh, John Bosch will throw us on the site and other people can sign up as well. But um, it's, it's for a great cause uh, as we mentioned earlier. And I just wanted to get that out there. Um, I think that about does it. So um, I, again, am Rocky Petrella at dynasty FF addict. Uh, Dustin is at Dynasty Junkie FF. Uh, I want to thank Bill and Josh for being on the show. Uh, listen to Fantasy Timeline. Listen to the DAP Network at DAP underscore network. And if you like what you heard here, please subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back in your ears next week. Junkies out. Late.